Welcome to Stop Back and Roll, a podcast where someone probably should have written a joke right here in the past couple of weeks. I'm Brandon. And I'm James. And today we talked about refining our sprint goals and got back to work on that Fast and the Furious game we've been talking about forever. Welcome to the first episode of 2020. Is it really? Right? No, it's not. It feels like it. <laughs> yeah, it's the 20th already. Wild. I mean, it's the when this comes out, it'll be the 21st. Yeah. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. It's 1998. We're it's really far ahead. We've gone back in time. No, we've always been recording in the 90s. Oh, we've always been. Re- oh, right. Okay. Sorry. Yes. Yep. Right. Yeah. Right. It is currently the 90s. We are just guessing what's happened in the future. I We're hope so prepared. Fine. Yeah. Well, luckily yeah. we've seeded the future. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this is a it's a looper situation. Definitely. Actually, we don't have to seed that much of the future for a lot of these things. No. A lot of these things were kind of started up. You know, we were on on the road on the road to PBTA in '98. <laughs> so I have some bad news. Okay. And then uh, just to follow it up, I have some other bad. <laughs> so um okay bad news i'm dying yeah other bad news you're dying too yeah you're we're all dying slowly <laughs> um no well, so, well, so, like so it's, it's good news situation. it's good news the first bad news is really good news if we're being really honest about okay. ourselves um the the bad news is that we are nearing two hundred dollars a month on patreon Okay. Which means we will hit another of our goals, which means we will have to do another thing. Okay, what is that we thing? We have we have not hit we have not successfully done the thing for the $150 goals yet. And we okay. should probably do that before people hit that. So for the $150, we still owe ever all of our listeners and backers um a live episode. That could we be a not... good one to do a mailbag for. Yes, actually that that's a good idea. We, we were talking uh, about we, that anyway. We were talking about doing a mailbag episode, and um, because because I'm a real mailbag, and uh, that's a bad joke. Uh, no, and it's so good. Um, we talked about doing a mailbag episode, and that actually would be a very good episode to do a to do live to do live. Yeah. yeah. Um. So maybe maybe we can talk about doing that as n- our next episode. Uh, well, no, never mind. That thought process doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Um, but yeah, let, we need to do it coming. We, I know we've said for like now three or four months that we were going to do this, but like, let's talk about it and see what we need to do to make that happen. Yeah. And then make sure we actually get that. And Absolutely. then we are currently sitting at $193 a month. And when we hit 200, then we have to do a, or we're supposed to do a, an evening with the editors. Meaning, um, you and I and whoever else we can get from the Protein City cast are supposed to hang out and talk about some behind-the-scenes stuff for Protein City. Oh, okay. I remember that. I vaguely remember setting that goal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that, that's not bad news. <laughs> and then re- and then really, really the goal that we want to hit is that $300 where I get to force <laughs> you to record a Dungeons & Dragons cartoon show podcast with me. Yeah, I, I, we'll have to figure out how to make that happen. 
Someone's making a. Here's here's what I'm going to say. At when we hit three hundred dollars, somebody's making a podcast with me about Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> the cartoon show, because I got some things to say about that show, and it is ridiculous. I would love for it to be me, and also we definitely came up with that goal before I had a baby. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but but the flip side is, I think there are only like thirty episodes in that show. We could probably knock out the whole show in like. A couple days. Okay. Maybe that's weekend. what we do. Yeah. Um, so that's that. Um, here is the other bad news. This one's okay. just bad. I mean, this is, again, I think that there is maybe a hint of good news in this bad news, but um, primarily the bad news is I did not do the thing I said I was going to do for oh, RPG okay. Sprint. Okay. Well, remember... This is not a thing where we're judgmentally kicking ourselves. Yeah. This is a thing where we're trying to make victories where there weren't victories before. Yeah. Like and that, and that I, is the most important thing to me is that this is like a positive thing where like if you didn't get it, if you didn't do everything, you still succeeded if you did anything. If you didn't yeah. do anything, you know what? We got another couple of weeks coming up and that's so, all right. Well, and, and here, so here's the thing that I want to talk about. Because, yeah. That is the, the, the good thing that came out of that, um, which is so. One of the things that I did when I wasn't working on the any of the things that I said I was going to work on um, was that I went and actually got certified as a scrum master. Oh, which is interesting. I took, a, I took a two day class and passed the test. Um, forever, it will haunt me that I scored forty nine out of fifty questions on the open book test. Scrum um, master, going into battle. <laughs> Need your strongest business. Can't have. You can't handle my scrums. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so one of the things that I think that is important is, so now, so now, now I'm not actually just like making this stuff up. I actually know what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, or at least, at least there is an organized governing body that, that I paid over a thousand dollars to, to, well, not me, my company, uh, to give me a certificate saying that I know what I'm talking about now. Um, and so one of the things that's interesting is, so like, congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, the important thing about the sprint, and I think this is like getting to kind of what you said, is that you can't get into a sprint until after you've escaped from the scrum. The scrum yes. slows everything down. Um, God, that's true. <laughs> that's true. You start out in the scrum, and then once you break free from the scrum with the ball, you run down the field, and then you do your sprint. Uh yes, that's how that is how rugby, that works. James. You know how rugby works. It took me a business. moment to realize what you were talking about, but yes. Um <laughs> so the point of the point of agile as a development strategy is that it is ongoing. You're not stopping. You're 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 constantly working okay. and shifting on what you're what you're talking about. And so when you don't succeed at achieving, like when you if you set a goal for yourself. Yeah. And they're not even, I think, like, calling them goals is really a bad idea. Like, they're they're tasks. You okay. set a task for yourself, and if you don't complete that task, that's not a failure. It's an opportunity to talk about why you failed mm, or okay. didn't achieve the goal. Yeah. And so the the purpose of the, the two-week sprint that we're yes. running is less to say, in the next two weeks, I will achieve this goal, and more to say... In two weeks, I will take a look back at how I've been working mm -hmm. and think about what worked and what didn't work. Okay. That checks out to me. 
Yeah. And so you're pulling things in. And so like, this is where like, I think that the, the a big thing is that we, you lay out the tasks that you think you're going to complete in the next two weeks. But if you don't complete them, or if you don't get to all of them, then that's fine. If you complete them easily and need to bring in more, that's also fine. Yeah. The important thing is we're trying to say, let's every two weeks talk about what we've done, talk about what we're our, like normally if we were doing this as an actual team where we were all working together on the same thing, yeah. then you have like daily scrum meetings where you talk about impediments and things that are holding you up. We can't really do that uh, yeah. with this podcast format, but we can talk about the things that hold us up and then we can go out and talk to you guys in the listeners in on the discord in Twitter uh, with the hashtag RPG sprint. And talk about the things that are holding you up. And if there's yeah. anything we can do to help you, then we can do that. Yeah, exactly. Um, my my progress was very slightly better than that in terms of the game side of things. I, I did not mm-hmm. become a scrum master. I had set myself four goals to update the Gladiator Masks playbook with advice, to publish the alpha of the Corsair playbook, to post 10 Radcall cards, and to type up the random game notes that I had. Which was so many different things. I typed up the random game notes, which that's great. So I am putting this as a successful sprint because mm-hmm. I did a thing. But uh, about uh, three days into it, I got an email from someone who I had contract work with uh, that was like, hey, uh, this thing was due uh, like a week ago. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh boy. And so I ended up writing... <laughs> a whole bunch of very cool rpg stuff uh and so i basically like i had an outline of a micro game yeah that is for a project that i hadn't made into a full thing and so i made into a full thing and sent that in so very successful but not one of my tasks but that's fine because that's my so like i think that is my that is one of the things that is uh, the point of what i was trying to say is like you you are not like one of this is like a thing that is new to, a newer bit of technology in scrum as of the last like two years which is you are not like you're not when you're setting out the, the tasks that you think you're going to complete in the next two weeks yeah you're not locking yourself into those because if you don't complete them it's not failure you just didn't get to them yet yeah and so like i had a task that was i was going to write out what the form of locations looked like in in for this for this game book i did subtasks of that which was i did a lot of research into other games that do similar things yeah i didn't complete the full task but that's fine what happened with you was you had a bunch of tasks and then someone came in and to your game design sort of like design space and said hey there here's this story it's more important and so you processed that and said here are the tasks i need to do to complete that and those got bumped into your like ahead of the list of yeah. other things you said you were doing and that's fine because that's the whole thing it, it, like what you don't want to do is lock yourself into a a mm. world in which you say uh, i know that i owed you this thing about a week ago but i've i've got these things i said i need to do in the next two weeks so i will be two more weeks oh yeah definitely don't want to do that uh and i did get it to uh to its finished setup i need to basically one of my one of my tasks for this mm-hmm. week is going to be like doing some final editing on it i need to bring it from uh 1200 words to 800 words uh but you know 
that's that's not such a bad thing. Yeah. So one of the, I was just looking like I'm looking over these these tasks that people have posted into yeah. the the RPG sprints and overall they're they're pretty good. Um, the oh my thing gosh, that I way more people than I realized. Yeah. Um, there's the things that I will warn people about are making sure that the tasks are not two tasks. In fact, because mm. some people put in tasks like finish a thing and then send it off to the playtesters. That's really two tasks. Yeah. That's because you're going to finish writing to a certain point, and then you're going to provide that to people who are going to playtest it for you or to editors or whatever. Um, and my second piece of feedback is, I, I don't know, maybe we'll, um, maybe it can be part of what the written goal is. Maybe we can add another column to the form. But like a big part of Scrum is having a very clear definition of done. And so really saying like, when you say finish your draft, what does that mean? Right, right. Because it may sound like, oh, I'll just finish the draft. But like, what what are you requiring to be part of the draft? What are your sort of acceptance criteria to I completed this task? Amusingly, I realized that 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 kind of like objective definition was important for whether people published or not. Mm-hmm. And I put a note in that for like what it means to publish something. That, like, includes putting it up for sale if it's a paid product, putting it up for download at a level that feels appropriate, uh, giving it to individuals you want to when you're proud of it. Like, that you are, like, that it, that is kind of like a done, it's not done in terms of yeah. task, but done in terms of, like, product, right? Yeah, because if you were, if you were going to... That's mostly plan- because I want to be able to have it at the end of it go like, hey, during uh, 2020, stop back and roll community... Uh, RPG sprints published yeah 700,000 if I had just said 700 there's a possibility that that <laughs> wouldn't have been a crazy thing to say that would still be a lot I think the important thing is um, that there is a distinction between publish in terms of like this is a presentable thing that I can hand like that I could sell people or even yeah. show people and like this was a task that I needed to do to get my game to done Agreed. That I needed to do, and it's important that I did it, and yeah. then and that, then ultimately it went to the larger project. That's why I had the two columns. Like you can have mm-hmm. you can have did you do it? Yes. Like I'm gonna have did you do it? Yes on the Corsair, hopefully. Like five times. I'm gonna have did you publish once because yeah. that lets me go, this is a product that was out there. Yeah. Um yeah. I wonder so I was looking at Trello a little bit actually. Um yeah. I think that this 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 Google Doc is definitely like a really easy, flexible solution. Um, Trello has like a, the ability to make boards that are public, where you can join with a link, yeah. And so people could then join. I don't know if that would be like really chaotic to look at, because it would just be like a lot of items. Yeah. The but nice thing the, about this is that you can just look at your own, yeah, your own really section. Focusing on everyone else. And I need to, um, I need to put together the victory chart so everybody gets their little little dots. I see it. So a couple of people already did that. They figured nice. it out for me. Yeah. Um, now the only thing that this doesn't do well is like you have post ten. Well, I guess post ten rad crawl cards is is uh, is one item. But if you're if you're saying and write ten rad crawl cards, well then writing each of those cards should be its individual task. Okay, or I can they're see part that. of a larger task. 
I can see that. With my thinking is that those would probably be going directly into a document. Yeah. And not being put into like a publishing format, right? Like that would be basically writing the things without just giving myself the excuse of like writing it on a piece of paper and then losing it. I do yeah. see how that is how that could be two two things though. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm kind of going in terms of like successes. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at it in a pretty binary way that it's like, did I succeed on this sprint by doing literally any of my things? Mm -hmm. Because just I don't have that much time that I'm putting towards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've got so, but that's why, but that's why I think, so much time. But that's why I think making the tasks small mm -hmm. and and specific. Yeah. And that's the thing that like making them discrete sections of work that you can do in a sitting that you can do in a day. And then I like, I would much rather people have mm. 14 items that each took them a day than one yeah. item. That's really two weeks worth of work. Totally. Full of ton of sub sub things. Yeah. That's how I pretty much divided it is that I, I thought that these were all one day of work. The Corsair ended up taking me way more time than I thought because I realized <laughs> that it's, it's like really poorly defined and I need to break it up into two things. So I want to talk about, what sort of tripped me up um, yeah. with my work. And then maybe we can talk about the Corsair a little bit. Um, I can tell you what tripped me up if you promise to bleep the name that I'm about to say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy to be, you could you could even keep everything but the bleeped out name. Uh, I am very happy to be working with them. This is an exciting thing. It's a very cool thing. Uh, and it is actually not their fault. That, that that I got tripped up. It is entirely my fault. Yeah. But it's a cool um, project. I'm excited for it. So what tripped me up was when I started looking into... So like, this is obviously within the realm of masks because the game book... So the game... The book that I'm writing fits in this wor weird world of like, what does an extent... I mean, and this is kind of a little bit... This is Sorry, this is the weirdest way to phrase this thought. But, like, this gets to a little bit of what you were talking about with, like, there not being a defined publishing community around masks yet. Yeah. And so, like, what I'm looking to do is similar to what some expansions from, like, the official expansions from masks look like. Yeah. But I also want to create some new things. And so, like, what I'm looking for is... Uh, so I think I kind of went around. I went around this th about this the wrong way, which was okay. I started looking at other games like Blades in the Dark, like Urban Shadows, other Powered by the Apocalypse-ish yeah. and related games to say what do they, like. And I specifically looked at like Blades because Blades has a lot of very definitive. This is the world. Here is a neighborhood. Here's what the item looks like, uh, or here's what the, where a, pl a specific place looks like. Right, Blades um, in the Dark uh, guides to Eberron. Yeah. yeah, I get it. Um, and and so I wanted to see. Well, I was actually I was actually a little bit con um, I was a little bit disappointed because I remembered Urban Shadows having more specific things like this, like more guidelines for how to draw mm. out like what a place looks like, um, because places and locations are so important to Urban Shadows. Yeah. Um, but what so what I found when I looked into that is like not a lot of people are doing that. Um, like there isn't really like a piece of like stat block for a place in a PBTA game. Is there and that in like dark streets from urban shadows? That's what I thought, but I couldn't, that not really, really like dark streets has some like descriptive things. It has, it has people, it has yeah. faces of those places. And then it has clocks for 
disaster or for thi- like story elements that happen, but it okay. doesn't really have concise de- descriptions of places. Interesting. Um, that's and I so, really I have to say I really love the clocks for things that will happen in those places. Yeah. Well, that's definitely on my list of things. Yeah. Because it just gives you like a it gives you a story hook. Yeah. Immediately. Um and and so I think one of the things that I ran it so so there's two possibilities, which is that this thing that I want, which is like a uh I'm imagining like like if you write up an NPC, there's an NPC right. standard stat block of like what is their name, what are their powers, yeah. like a quick thing of, they, of what they look like, what are their drives, what are their what are their moves, how many um, conditions they have. Yeah, and so maybe having a a sort of block like that doesn't really need to exist for locations. Okay, but like I kind of want to have a thing for like this all came out of initially thinking about Dynamite Jacks, which is like it's it's an important part of our story. Yeah. And so I want it to be in the book. But what does that look like as a game element? What would you as a and so I th- Okay. I, I think that the way I need to and this is where I got tripped up is I, I so when I went looking for these things in other games, I didn't find anything. But I yeah. think that what I should do is instead go to other masks GMs and say, What would you look for in a story mm. element for a location? Like if you're looking to set a scene in a place or if you're like trying to say um, your characters are going to go here, what kinds of information are you looking for that will help you make that story feel feel rich? Okay, that's interesting. There's a part. Okay, (laughs) You know how lately I've been saying, why don't we make it trad for like everything? Mm -hmm. Why don't we make it trad? Yeah. So like. If you think of like some of the, because it, it is like inherently more common in more traditional games to have like the location books, because that's what this is. This is a setting yeah. book, right? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just something that the indie space has way less of mm-hmm. than the more traditional spaces. And so I think in those more traditional spaces, when a location is introduced, they basically have like a little space that has hooks for stories. Mm-hmm. And so like, it has like, if you had dynamite jacks is like a, a relatively low importance place, right? Like not like, not like going, you're going to set your entire story in dynamite jacks, but dynamite jacks yeah. is a place you might go. You could have like a page that has a brief visual description inside and out, maybe even including like box text. Mm-hmm. basically like something that the gm could read out loud yeah if they wanted to they certainly don't have to but it's like something that is written in a way that it could be read out loud to the players and then like a stat block for dynamite jack mm-hmm. and like a a plot line that you could chase related to him yeah i think that's i think it's pretty much what i want i think i want um moves for the location i could see moves like happening move in some locations yeah um i'd love to also see like a brief little description of like like mini npc cards like mm-hmm. y- you know how blades in the dark has your relationships yeah. that you choose like one one rival one people who hang out in this location oh i just meant on your character sheet yeah yeah, yeah. i know what you're saying oh, yeah yeah okay so yeah so basically like a thing where it says like this like name and like a piece of information two pieces of information whether they've been in the show or not mm-hmm. i just kind of like if you need people for this location. 
Yeah, so I had a section for... So in this little, like, in the outline I've written up, I have yeah. the flavor imagery section, which is just the, like, two paragraphs of description of what the area looks like, and then locations and faces. And I wonder yeah. if I need to merge those into one thing and really be like, these are the, f- like, the p- faces being people who hang out in that area. And I wonder if I shouldn't really lock, like, not lock them down, but, like, anchor them in a location. Yeah. like, And then and merge that into kind of one thing. I think a lot of faces would kind of be merged into a, would kind of make sense in a location, right? And, like, one location might be, like, the rooftops of the bash. Yeah. Right? That you're going, like, this is, the superheroic element is a location. And, like, by saying where that superheroic location is, you say kind of, like, oh, when you are fighting crime in this place, it is probably in the sewers. When you yeah. are fighting crime in this place, it is probably on the street. When this place, it's on the roofs. I think that's an interesting way because then I get, you basically end up working from two direct, because like, my, my thought process was for separating them is that there will be places like Dynamite Jacks where yeah. the place is important and Dynamite Jack is the place, is the person who is the face of that place. Yeah. And is one of the people you will run into there. But then there will also be people who do not have a place that they are uh specifically tied down to yeah like like if there was just some other character like i don't know windshear like you yeah. might run into windshear in uh in the bash but there's yeah. not like a there, we don't ha- we haven't established like there's a bar windshear's hideout yeah yeah and so but maybe what i want to say is things like you might run into windshear probably on the rooftops in the bash yeah and then create the rooftop the rooftops of the bash as an abstract place where I'll give a couple description lines of what that looks like and then yeah. connect it to the face. Yeah. And then you could also have like, you can have multiple faces for one location. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I think it makes sense to that. Like you might have like, here are three pages that has four faces on it or whatever. Yeah. Especially for, and especially if I do them um, like the blades in the dark st- uh, character, like friends and, and rivals style yeah. where it's like, a bold name and then like an italicized text description of them. Then I yeah. can be like, here are the like eight people you might run into in dynamite Jack's diner. Yeah. And like, then like just people eating there. And then other, like one thing that is true is that we have done that game for too long to fit every major NPC. Yeah. Yeah. Into, into like a stat block, right? Like you could always do more stat blocks later. Yeah. Maybe and do I, it as a deck of cards. <laughs> maybe do that. Maybe just do a hero villain deck. Yeah, although that, we that need to include art. that too, perhaps. Um, <laughs> that involves art. Art is so expensive. No, it's fine though. We can get there. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think that re. I think this is where like reimagining what this element looks is is yeah. important, and that I think I need to shift a little bit what yeah. my task is. So I think my task for my tasks for next for this next sprint are going to be to first have some conversations with people who GM masks that aren't you and me okay. and, and see what they're interested in, in terms of things they would want on that stat block. Cause like it's, I think, I think it's definitely not supposed to be something that is like a hundred percent. Like you're not going to, I don't think you're not going to really grab it and use every piece of it, but yeah. I want it to be like a healthy block of text about the location or a location where you might find a person that is yeah. relevant information so that when you're looking through, you can grab that story nugget that's relevant to your custom plot. And you know what you just did? You had a conversation with the GM about it. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I've definitely so super started quick. that. You've definitely started um, that, yeah. So I think that's that. And then I think my my follow-up task will be then to write up the Dynamite Jacks one as a an example. Cool. Sounds great. Uh, I guess I have to choose some sprints then. I mean... Um, so I need to... So I've got a task of edit... Of edit the project that I need to edit. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> that's important. I'm late. I need to get that in. I've got Pasión de las Pasiones work that I'm not putting in here because it is something that I am like that I need to do in a different sort of way. Uh, and I can't just publicly put up all of the tasks that I have to do for that. Well, sure. Yeah. I think that you could put up a generic Pasiones task. That's true. That's true. And not write the details. Yeah. That might be useful. I'll, I'll put that on there. It's still and, work you're doing. It's still work I'm doing. And then I think I want to migrate forward the Gladiator and the Corsair and leave Radcrawl for now. Okay. Um, I'm I'm too deep in mask stuff at the moment. <laughs> to I'm like between being deep in Passion, being yeah. deep in masks, and having this third thing going on. Like I've got too many game systems going on in my head. Yeah. That's so fair. I need to take a week. I, I can do two game systems at a, I can do probably I can probably do two game systems at a time. I'm try that would be trying to do four game systems. So I think that this also brings up and so like <laughs> to bring in more of the official scrum like co- like conversation yeah. like so the there are there are two ceremonies that bookend the sp- the sprint and they are the sprint planning and then the 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 retrospective. So yeah. the sp- Sprint planning is really what we're doing. Well, the retrospective is what we were sort of been doing. Just did. Um, the retrospective should be less conversation. The retrospective needs to be a thing that each every person who is participating in this does just with themselves because it's not how did the work get done. It's not yeah. like or it's not like it's not I I didn't complete this thing I said I was going to do. It's the why didn't I get the com- the work done? It's the right. what what in what hindered me? What could I have done differently? It's more about your work process. Yeah. Um or if you're working with a team, what is was like reflecting on your team's work process? It's about your own improvement. Um not about what happened with the actual specific items. The sprint planning is a meeting that occurs at the beginning of the sprint where you talk about what you're going to work on and do exactly what you just did where you said here are the different like so you have a you have basically have a, a in the in the in the um the linguistics of of scrum you have a story about um rad crawl you have a story about some masks playbooks you have a story mm-hmm. about passiones you have a story about this other project you're working on and you prioritize and so like the 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 sprint planning meeting is about prioritizing those stories that you're going to work on and so basically you said i need to move rad crawl to the bottom of that list and prioritize these other things because for whatever reason they maybe because they're due maybe because you they're just more on your brain they're 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 an easier workload or there's some other priority reason and that that story about like stories are things that contain tasks basically is the one. Right. Um, okay. That story about rad crawl is still there. And if you complete mm. all of your other stories and all the other work you're going to do for the then other stuff, you might it. bring it in, yeah. but it's less important because you need to sort of like say, I'm only going to really work in three games uh, yeah. and I can't, I've got to stop trying to force this fourth thing. 
Yeah, and Passion has to get, uh, you know, Passion 2020 is a good year for Passion. Uh, the other project that I have to do, I have to get it done because otherwise it yeah. will not be in the thing. And uh, Masks, I promised the Corsair like ages ago. And so I want to to get that right and get that out. Yeah, and that's fine. And then like that is that sort of priority setting is important to building out your task list for the next week. Yeah. Or two weeks, as it were. Yeah. <sighs> oh, you know what I just realized? Last time we recorded, I, I hadn't started my new job yet. Oh, yeah. I started my new job. How is Great. that? I mean, let, let's, let's not have an actual conversation about how the job is going. But how is that working, uh, w- like affecting you when it comes to your game design? Like, Interesting. How much of a like a, are you are you finding yourself having a more regular schedule? I know this is more of a standard day job than than your old job. Yeah, this is interesting because my my old job I had shorter hours because I didn't get breaks. Uh but I also got home like very physically sore because it was uh, very physically demanding, very emotionally demanding. Yeah. And so like I would lots of times get home and be like half dead. Yeah. Um, I just, and like my heart was not in it at that point. And so it was just, it was very difficult to then sit down and go like, okay, now I'm going to work. Let me find the joy in my life to put into these other things. Yeah, exactly. Um, now my schedule is very different. I've got longer hours because not only do I have lunch now, but I also have a schedule that means that I'm off at, uh, once every two weeks, uh, mm-hmm. that I'm like off on one day every two weeks. Uh, so I'm getting home and there's less time, mm-hmm. but I'm getting home feeling like relatively refreshed and feeling good. So it's been interesting because like I was able to sit down during some lunch breaks because I'm used to not having lunch breaks and like have my lunch at a pace that was twice as leisurely as it <laughs> normally was. Yeah. And still have time to write for a little bit. Yeah. I have definitely, uh, I shifted at one point from, I was, I was I was encouraged for a while to take half hour lunch breaks. Yeah. And at some point it became that that I was allowed to take an hour break and no one was really going to yell at me if I took an hour break for lunch. Yeah. And so I said, I'm going to take an hour break for lunch and I'm going to like have that time to eat and then like get some things out of my brain and write them down into whatever. Yeah. I, I went from like, kind of shoving food in my mouth over five minutes while also dealing with everything else to having half an hour. So I have like, now I'm having my food over like (laughs) 10 minutes and I've still got 20 minutes with which to do something. So that's been interesting. It's been good. It's been kind of restructuring the way I do some of this side work. I'm not going to see how much I can take advantage of that. My, My coworkers now already know that I do some game design and it's like one of them today was asking me, uh, like, like, oh, are you going to be joining us for lunch or do you have writing to do? And I was like, I should, I should do writing. I'm going to join you for lunch. <laughs> Sometimes all you really need to do is just get a couple ideas out of your head and write them yeah, down. And that's helpful. Absolutely. And if you're just going full speed all day, it's hard to like even remember what those tasks were. Yeah. Yeah. And just having that downbeat in the middle of the day. Mm hmm. But uh, but yeah, so that's that's kind of my goal. That's kind of where I'm setting. Cool. Setting my sights. Okay. Oh my gosh, that took so long. Fans, let us know if you like the format where we talk through a lot of goals and we talk about like 
direction for them because another thing is like this will become much faster yeah when james is having to teach me less scrum (laughs) (laughs) but everyone we're having a conversation about it you're teaching me a lot of scrum um i found a book with never mind uh but uh let us know if, if that's something that's like really helpful, if that's something that, that is less helpful. And because just we're figuring out what makes the most sense for us as we try to get more design out. Yeah, absolutely. And if we need to, now that I've like actually learned a little bit more about Scrum, if people are interested in, in really like I, like, I think that, that it probably does not benefit people as much working on, on solo projects. Like Scrum yeah. is definitely designed to be a team uh, activity. <laughs> It's explicitly like you never work by yourself. You're always working in pairs. Um, okay. And so I think that, but but I think I think a lot of the the ideology applies to okay. to the kinds of work that we do, where it is often solo design work. And so if people want me to do a lengthier conversation about that, I could almost even just record that as like a bonus episode. Okay. All right. So let's talk about the Fast and the Furious. <laughs> yeah. So I. A while ago, while you were very busy and said, I can't think about anything else. I've got to work on these like a couple games. Um, I was like, hey, and by the way, I'm going to just take a bunch of notes about these Fast and the Furious movies. Um, I have not finished rewatching all of them. I need I think I'm up to like six. Um, I need to keep finishing that. Um, No, I watched Fast Five. I didn't watch six. So um, so that's where I am now. But so what I did was I went through and I took notes and okay. and I, I think that I have enough notes now that we should talk about where making sure that I'm taking the right kind of notes, cool. I think is important. Yeah. Um, and so wow. maybe, we'll, maybe we'll have a little bit of a conversation about, A, if you're doing this kind of thing where you're making a game based off of a piece of media. Yeah. What should your notes look like? What kinds mm-hmm. of things in that media should you be looking for? And mm-hmm. also, once you've just got like, I just took a bunch of notes. Like some of them are, some of them are very focused on like this is a game design thing, but some yeah. of them are like this is a funny quote. Yeah. Um. And so like once you've got like a page to two pages or three pages of notes, how do you start to turn that bunch of notes into game design? And that's a very good question. I think uh, there's kind of two things that I like to really pull out of media, and those are the actionable methods, the moves that the media suggests, and then the things that are kind of like the fluff that the media suggests, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, if we were talking, uh, if we were talking about masks, superheroes tend to hit each other. So, directly engage is a threat that is a move that makes sense. And... Some superheroes uh, can teleport, and so that is not all superheroes, and it's also not something that super matters that they can, mm-hmm. like, and so that becomes something that's like, that's a fluff thing. Uh, some superheroes have costumes that look like the costumes of other superheroes, and that's not like a super mechanical thing, probably. That's a fluff thing. So first is just kind of separating out the things that seem like the methods in which things get done mm-hmm. from the things that are a funny Vin Diesel quote that you might be able to like <laughs> use as a wonderful name for a move, yeah. but probably shouldn't be guiding your game. So here's what I did. I, d- I broke my notes down into general notes about the movies. Cool. Um, things that I felt like we, as I was watching these movies, we absolutely needed to have mechanics for. 
Okay. And what I tentatively called agendas for the game. Okay, cool. Um, I would let's let's look first at some of that moves. Oh, sorry. Space. I also had um. Sorry, I'm just. I also had GM moves, which is a little bit shorter of a list, and okay. I had some plot structures. I, okay. So I just sort of like. I I started generally writing out the plot structure of the st- of the episode of the movies yeah. just so that you could see what those if they are if they are sessions of play or they are campaigns what do you yeah. need to do to hit that. I also and took some character notes too um basically taking profiles of each of the main characters who show up with yeah. sort of some notes towards maybe eventually these would be playbooks. Okay. Um, I think that some of the campaign style stuff, like the what does an adventure look like, is probably later game yeah. than what you're at right now. Because my guess is that the way to do this, though, like the structure of that is, in my mind, the best way to do a PBTA game is to basically make an Ashcan and then make a full game. I think that and I know sense. making an Ashcan does mean more writing than just putting out a playtest. But, like, you do a playtest, you do an Ashcan, you do a full game, that will help you to find problems in your game that you wouldn't find otherwise. There's a lot of games that go from playtest to Kickstarter that end up missing a lot of major problems with them. That, like, just having having a 50-page book that you sell for very little through itch or drive through or actually publishing or whatever would make a huge difference. So, okay. So let me cover. So that's kind of the structure that I take is going like, like what is the things that we need for the play test and the Ashcan Uh, with the intention that the play test should directly inform that Ashcan pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of the methods of things that people do, uh, I would think, I think the best way to do it is to take those ideas and separate them out into things that everybody does to get stuff done, things that specialists do to get stuff done, and things that only a restricted number of people do to get stuff done. Ah, interesting. So, like, everyone like everyone does this thing to solve problems. That's mm-hmm. a basic move. Multiple roles do this, but one role does it best. That might be a playbook move. It might be a basic move. Uh, it's probably a basic move that gets informed by some playbook moves. Mm-hmm. And that might even suggest a playbook as a whole. Yeah. And then the restricted things are the things that are like, this is definitely not a basic move. Like 100%, no question, not a basic move. This might be a playbook move. This might be a custom move. This might be something else. But it's important to our setting. So I conveniently have a section in my notes called things people do. That's exactly what you should have. Well, like that makes sense, though. That is like... The most important thing in PBTA is, like, to do it, you do it, right? Yeah. And so, like, the moves are things where it says, when you do this thing. So we should care more than anything else about doing this thing. So. I'm going to get angry messages about how that isn't the most important thing in PBTA. And I'm not going to respond to them. <laughs> I don't, yeah, um... <laughs> Hmm. I'm not talking with you about it, James. No, but so the thing that that I thought was interesting was as I started to go through this, 
um, this this like sort of task of let's go through and write down the things that people do. Because I just yeah. started with the very first movie, and I said literally anytime someone does something that isn't like talk to someone or something that like a normal person would do, like yeah. I didn't write down eat a sandwich. Even though it comes right. up twice in the first it movie, comes up I knew that it doesn't come up. It's not a major thing that happens in a lot of the movies, so I didn't yeah. write it down. It happens a lot in the first movie for some reason. I but, think that's a. I think that's a custom move for the location. Yeah, yeah. So I wrote down a list of things that people do, and the things that people do, and so like I bolded them as I noticed that people were doing them more often. Mm-hmm. Um, and the things that came up were kind of interesting. So okay. like. The like an obvious first one that I like the very first thing on my list is roll up next to someone or like line up for a race, um, and then talk to someone in the car next to you. Oh, okay, yeah, and that might be a basic move. That might be a scene setting, a structured scene set. Yeah, I think but that that's actually interesting. having like yeah, I don't know. Um, the thing that really got that that um that I think is a basic move. I think mm-hmm. will need to be a basic move is so many characters just walk up to someone and throw a punch without having a conversation about it. Yeah, like uh like go aggro from uh yeah. from Apocalypse World. Yeah. But it's almost like it's it's it is a little bit of a scene starter too. Like it's literally like people just walk up to someone because of something that they happened in the in a previous scene and before anything else has happened at all, they throw a punch. And they're successful in that. Right? And they're like always that first successful. Punch hits. Yeah. That yeah, that's <laughs> There is a weird way I've in which, seen these movies. And, and like, if you had said, "Is sucker punching people a huge part of the Fast and the Furious franchise?" I would never have said yes. But having watched all of these movies, it is super important to be able to like constantly sucker punch someone because yeah. it's all about like, uh, "How dare you do this thing? Now <laughs> fight I, me!" But importantly, when you sucker punch someone, you aren't harming them. No, like if if the characters have a harm track. I don't think getting sucker punched no, affects not. their harm track. It just forces them to talk to you. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's a it's a it's a it's a very hard conversation starter where you're saying, yeah. We're talking about this thing right now, you don't have a choice. Almost like when you get up when when you get up in someone's face. Yeah. Might yeah. be the trigger on it. Yeah. Uh, with it's an important impl- with it has a, a punch though like it is the physical contact it's not just punches though hmm? right I'm, I'm thinking there's there's plenty of other times where people ru- walk up to someone get right in their face without punching no almost always is a punch it happens so often <laughs> i mean maybe there are times where they get up in front of each other but especially yeah. in the first five movies there are so many people who just get up in someone's face and throw a punch that's um, so funny it happens a lot um, more frequently than not, pl- like like a a generic kind of like pleading w- with someone either to do something or to save somebody or to yeah. spare them. That's a huge part of it. Like making a compelling emotional argument for something happens yeah. a lot. Okay, so so it's so what I would do is just like start out by listing those things right like just like grab a piece of paper and write them down into into the everyone specialist restricted yeah right um with the understanding that everyone in specialist might be basic moves restricted definitely isn't Mm -hmm. uh from there i think you could go towards playbooks or back towards basic moves Mm -hmm. um with basic moves it's helpful to think of them in terms of like spheres where things are happening 
So, like, it's really common to have, like, a physical, social, and mental perceptual sphere. Uh, so then your moves are going to fit into those things. I'm actually, Which, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm really interested in doing that experiment of going through all of these items, these things that yeah. people do, and saying, are they something that everyone does, certain people do, or exclusively only one type of person does? Yeah. Because, like, they're... A thing that is that is true of the Fast and the Furious series is that at some point around Fast Five, <laughs> um, yeah. when the series really jumps the shark, um, how dare you? <laughs> it it becomes um, very like they're like so even from the very beginning there are the the characters are archetypes some of them are the same archetype but often they are different archetypes in yeah. fast 5 they literally spell out the archetypes like okay. dom says he does the like uh oceans 11 thing where he's like we're going to mm. have to get a we're going to have to get a chameleon we need a fast talker we need a circuit man we need a guy who punches through walls we need utilities and weapons and we need precision drivers and so i wrote those all down as like <laughs> He just told you the playbooks. He just told me the playbooks. But I'm okay. curious now to know if I if I just go through all the different actions and and split them out, would I end up with a bunch of like only one kind of person does this and end up with those same basic playbooks? Interesting. I think I think you you might like because frankly, if the characters in it fit the characterizations that have been kind of listed, then yeah. it should. Uh, uh, and I, my guess is that it would. One of the greatest things that happened is in Tokyo Drift, one of the characters asks another character a question, mm -hmm. and that question is like the singular agenda for the whole game. Okay. And it was very interesting because basically he said, like, it, it came down to um, one of the characters asks the other character, why do you race? <laughs> and like and the ends and the answer he gives is like people race to find out who they are mm, and like nice. that is that is <laughs> if that isn't like the core agenda of of the game like i don't know that's what is. really like, funny i mean like another great agenda of the game is live life one quarter mile at a time <laughs> but that's why i wrote down a lot of these quotes yeah. because a lot of the quotes yeah. are like um Interestingly, the thing that uh, that I was so like we have talked about in in many versions of the of this game, we've talked about needing to have a race and having that race uh, be really form like formulated on around the you set the stakes of the race and then you're yeah. racing to achieve that goal. And yeah. one of the things that was apparent when I went back to watch the, sh the 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 first five movies was like how much that's literally the format of the movies like they really yeah. and they they have explicit conversations about we need to like ante up what are you putting on the table for this race what yeah. is like almost every race they have has something set as the stakes yeah like, and it they're was not weird. racing for no reason like yeah that is. That is a hundred percent why that is why you race. <laughs> it's because yeah. you've set stakes about it. Um, which is which feels a little a little funny to think of like going like really directly setting it feels a little weird in PBTA to set stakes individually, as opposed to the stakes being set specifically by the move. But I think that just means that that it's like you need to figure out a way to make that work. It might even be 
the that there is a move that is like when you when you set the stakes of a race and like that might not be mm-hmm. a move that you roll on but it might be like i i think that might be something that has to be mechanized that you do not race until the stakes of the race are set yeah you absolutely can't yeah <laughs> one of the things i'm just looking through these notes one of the things that was funny is uh i wrote that i made note of is in the disclaimer at the end of tokyo drift he they 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 in there like don't do this kind of yeah. thing explicitly refer to them as car play scenes car play <laughs> car play and so i wrote that wow. down as like a maybe that's the genre of our game <laughs> or maybe we shouldn't call them races maybe we should call them car plays i do not think you should call them car plays it's like role play <laughs> is not a car playing game Feed your family um, was a thing that I wrote down and bolded because it happens a lot. <laughs> like, I mean, after after racing and punching people, scenes where you provide food to your family is like really high on the list of things that people do in Fast and the Furious movies. I, I think that might be because you've stumbled on something that is that the Fast and the Furious. Is it that they're about family? Is it's yeah, it's about family and it is about characters that are people of color that that is often an enormous thing. Like I know in my family, the biggest love language is food. Hmm. And I know a whole lot of other people that have that same experience. Like and I think that that is something that you don't see in Marvel movies because it isn't to the same extent in kind of like white culture for that to be an enormous thing but for a lot of different cultures it's really really important and there's a there's a whole lot of, there's a whole <laughs> lot of latinx people in uh in the fast and the furious yeah yeah it's definitely something that's important to those movies yeah um and so like i think that that's probably not a basic move no but it might be a move that is like one of those side moves right like there there are oftentimes supplementary moves yeah, I uh, think that there are there are definitely like I wonder if there aren't scene setting moves specifically. I could totally see that. Um because basically what I think you should try to do is start going like okay, what are the ways that people solve problems? Those are your basic moves. The scene setting moves like coming up and talking to somebody uh, like rolling down your window and talking to somebody might be a basic move, but it might not be right. Uh, feeding your family and taking care of people and like forging bonds together might be a basic move, but it's probably more of like a setting move of some kind. Mm-hmm. It's probably a uh, side move. <laughs> and like, depending on how in depth you want to get with the driving, that might be its own entire system with it, right? Yeah, like a couple yeah, yeah. of moves that work together. Uh, one of the things I wrote down, <laughs> I started, so around Tokyo Drift, I started writing things down in the format of move triggers just to sort okay. of like see if that made sense. And yeah. I wrote down, when you look at someone through the window of your car, ask them if they look back at you. <laughs> because there were a lot of scenes in Tokyo Drift of somebody looking over and then the other person not looking back. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Can Sometimes you don't look back. That's important. Yeah, so it's, it's uh yeah, one of the characters says, what is the point of a, it's not even why do you race, it's what is the point of a race? And the main character of Tokyo Drift says, to see if I'm better than the other guy, 
And the answer is that's that's wrong. It's it has to be about something important. Yeah, that's that, that seems totally reasonable. Maybe I'll have to bleep this too. But at one point in my notes, I wrote down physics. <laughs> and then <laughs> later in my notes, I wrote seriously physics. <laughs> um, I wrote down things like ask car guys for help. Um ask car guys for help yeah like you like, might it, have... it becomes a thing so like the first like three movies are all about car guys and like yeah. the things that car guys do but once you get to like fast five now you're the main characters are action heroes but whenever they need oh. help they go back to the, car, to guys the car guys to, for help yeah okay uh <laughs> um yeah uh I believe the critical bits has established that those are called car heads okay and they do not have sleeves yeah no yeah. that's true yeah, um, that's very true. I wrote down Mission Impossible, the quote in Mission Impossible to Mission in Frickin' Sanity. Um, <laughs> See, some of those are not super useful. No, I think but that it is. On, it, it, so, I think I wrote that down because I think that before, if it, depending on how explicitly this is going to be a Fast and the Furious game and, and, and yeah. how much of it's going to be like the original, just generic kind of race game that we've yeah. talked about. Like, I think you have to have a conversation about, are we really talking about a game like Fast and the Furious, or are we talking about a game like Fast Five? Because really, right, yeah. those are two because they are two stories that use almost all of the same tropes and yeah. and moves. And I think you can play them with the same game, but they yeah. are very different stories. Yeah, one one has more nos. Yeah, Ugh, yeah. I've been watching Hyperdrive, and yeah. the guy with the Lambo makes me so angry. Oh yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, the guy who just shows up his on way into the competition. God, it makes me so furious yeah. every time his stupid face and his stupid car are shown. Yeah. Um, um, he kind of looks like the old CEO of my company a little bit. And um, <laughs> that really has <laughs> says a lot. The about, one who I know? Hmm? The one who I know yeah. I went to high school with? Yeah, yeah he totally yeah. does. That's he looks exactly true. like him. That's very funny. I would never have thought of that. Yeah. Because I didn't see him much as like an adult, but yeah. I, I can absolutely see that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so before we um, start talking too much trash about real people, um, yeah. I think well, hey, the, the guy who drives the Lambo on hyperdrive isn't a real person. No. So He's a billionaire. Maybe another thing that I will try to do is uh, for this next sprint is uh, start to organize some of these notes into sections of things that everyone does versus things that only some people do. Yeah. Um, we'll see how far I get in that. I would also think about where, like, what spheres in which actions take place. I think the driving has to be its own system. Absolutely. But, like, is a physical sphere something that makes sense to you? Something to have three, two to three basic moves? Is a social sphere something that makes sense to you? Something to have two or three basic moves? Is a mental perceptual uh, sphere that makes sense to have, like, for two to three moves? Um, my guess is... That that will be the case. Yeah. My guess is you'll need approximately seven basic moves. Yeah. Uh, and that you'll have them fit in with like three physical, two social, two mental, perceptual. Yeah. Because basically everything in Fast and the Furious happens either in a car while people are racing 
Yeah. At a, around a table while people are talking or planning. And there really isn't really like, like there are some really, like there are some really prolonged scenes in Fast Five where they're just in a warehouse planning and there is yeah. no threat of anyone finding them. Even yeah. though they're all going, God, we've got to really like work fast or else the police are going to find us. But like they were there for like weeks. They're there for like, two, yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous the police haven't found them. And then there's the fight and running scenes. There's so many yeah. running scenes. There are yeah. more running scenes than there are fighting scenes <laughs> um but yeah so i think that i think that sounds like a really good start there yeah i think one of the i think this addresses the the second issue i was having that i didn't really talk about was that like as much as i want to write this party in city source book it doesn't yeah. feel like a game and i yeah. want to work on something that is a game and <laughs> so um i think that this will be a the way to do that cool that totally makes sense all right, so I guess that is the end of our episode. Yeah, so if you want to um, reach out to us, as always, to talk about whatever you're sprinting, um, you can, or whatever you're talking about, uh, whatever you want to hit us up with, um, you can find us on Twitter at Stop, Hack, and Roll, or individually, I am at End the Meltdowns. And I'm at B. Leon Gambetta. And that hashtag is hashtag RPG Sprint. If... <laughs> If you have something that is longer form that you would like to send to us, uh, consider sending us an email at Brandon or James at stopbackandroll.com. James is better about answering those than I am. I'm real bad at that. If you uh, enjoy the show and want to let other people know about it, then uh, check it check us out on iTunes or wherever else you can review shows and uh, give us a rating, give us a review, lets us feel the warm and fuzzies inside and helps other people find the show. Uh, we've got a website at www.stophackandroll.com where you can find links to our previous episodes. We make this podcast and all of the rest of our podcasts with the support of our Patreon backers. I'd like to welcome a couple new backers like Marty Chodorik, Polyamorous Q, and Daniel Hyatt. I think maybe some of those people were previous backers who had to spend some time away from us and came back or... Patreon is doing some weird things. I saw a lot of like notifications that people had signed up twice. So who knows? Um, <laughs> still going to count you guys as new people. Uh, and we're glad to have you. I also want to thank some of our old supporters, uh, old favorites like Rich Howard, Tavern Tales, Riverhouse Games, Refined Ursine, uh, Michael Pardue, Mirror, uh, Magpie Mirror Test, and Scott Paladin. If you would like to support us in a non-monetary way, uh, consider joining our community and support us that way. We get a lot of ideas from our community, and I think we're soon going to be doing a mailbag, so that will be very helpful. Uh, you can join our Discord at tinyurl.com slash shrdiscord or discord.stopbackandroll.com. So when you're bringing your family together around a plate of food, talking about the times that you just walked up and punched someone, don't forget to stop, hack, and roll. Hack and roll.